Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning. Welcome to Gardening Today on News Radio 1040 WHO. Aaron Style and Melissa Burdick here with you this morning. We're talking about all things gardening this morning, and we uh, are. having a hopefully going to have a great time doing it. Yeah, <laughs> no, but you're. We should say you're battling a little bit of a, a sore I know, throat. I lost my voice earlier. You this, got that husky thing going. I know, yeah, I husky know. voice. So hopefully, folks won't be too put off by the. The squeaks and the cracks every once in a while. <laughs> so has that kept you out of the garden at all? Or are you still able to persevere despite uh, well, a cold? As much as I can. You know, yeah. the last couple of days haven't been the most uh, been wonderful miserable. to be outside in. So I haven't got a ton done outside yeah, yet. But yeah. um, there's a lot of stuff. I put up a whole bunch of pictures. Or I'm working on putting up a whole bunch of photos from my garden right now because there's just so many wonderful things that there's look so nice right good now. Good things happening. I know. The this roses are budding up. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And uh, my Baptisia's blooming, which I love. Oh, nice. And my Blue Stars are blooming. My the Amsonia. Amsonia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. And um, I realize that my garden is, you know, pretty, pretty spring full. Um, oh. I have a lot of stuff that looks nice in the spring in my garden. I have stuff throughout the year, of course, but a little spring, spring heavy. Is, well, you know that that happens because spring is when we go to the garden centers. We have spring fever. We go out, and anything that's looking beautiful, we just snap it up and buy it. Well, I think the other thing too is that things like my hostas and stuff. You know, when they first come up out of the ground, they're so they're you know they're just crisper and brighter mm-hmm. and more mm-hmm. colorful. So yep. that I have a lot of hosta in particular in my backyard, and that adds to it a lot too. I think. Do you battle critters on your hosta? Uh, Not rabbits, too bad. Slugs, Thankfully, that both the neighbors and I have a dog. Oh, that's good. <laughs> and um, uh, it'll keep some th- some of the small rodents away. A little, yeah. Mm-hmm. I know it's not it's not foolproof, of course. But and then you know I've had some deer in the past, mm-hmm. and I've tried to do some things to kind of because deer are a creature of habit. Yes, so they, they are. Once they get a path, they like to follow that path, and so there's if, not many ways into my yard mm-hmm. easily. Uh, for deer, so I try to kind of disrupt it as much as I can, and that so far has worked fairly well for me. I still have hosta. That's good. Yeah, they (laughs) they haven't they haven't created a buffet out of your garden. No, I don't have a celery stock garden. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm fortunate where I am. I'm I'm right in the middle of of the town, so deer. If a deer wanders their way in, they've really made an effort. So mm-hmm. um, I don't have to worry too much about that. But I do have a lot of rabbits. Yeah. Um, but my dog is the same way. She she is determined to get one of those rabbits someday. She never has. She's not quite fast enough. But um, but she does a good job of keeping them back. We have a lot of stray cats. So our rabbit population is not. Oh, the neighborhood has a lot of stray cats. That's the upside to one of the a feral cat situation. Yes, <laughs> I don't have a lot of rabbits. I don't know. Honestly, if I've ever seen a rabbit in my yard. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I've seen a lot of cats in my yard. <laughs> <laughs> what does your dog think about that? Uh, she loves that. Yeah. Um, she can't catch them. She would love to. Oh, one of these days. She'll get a mouthful. One of these days, she'll get lucky. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you planting new in your garden this year? 
this spring? Oh, I got a whole bunch of stuff uh, sitting, uh, waiting to be planted because that's how. You yes, know, that's, that's how, how I operate too. And plus, yeah. it's been so rainy, you can't get out there. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, let's see. What do I have uh, growing on? I, I bought most of it's not earth shattering stuff, but stuff that I've been kind of excited. A couple new hosta. Mm-hmm. Um, I got the is it Brother Stefan, which is the hosta of the year. Oh, um, which is a larger hosta, kind of has puckered leaves. And, oh, cool! Um, so I got one of those at the Ryman Gardens plant sale. Very nice. So that was nice. What else did I get? Um, oh, I got a pyramidal Persian parodia. How's that? Pyri- a pyramidal Persian parodia, or like an up, like a, a, a actually, it's more of a an upright. Form. Yeah. Now, yeah. parodia is a is a small tree. Yes. Okay. Yes. And it's also called ironwood. Do I have that uh, right? I don't know. I've always heard it called parodia. Parodia. Okay. Yeah. And it's it, I I have grown one of those once in my life way back in Virginia, and I I just remember it kept falling over <laughs> until finally I got it staked well enough that it was get, able to get a toehold. So, um, Persian parodia. What yeah. does that do? So it's uh, not. Too distant relative of the witch hazel. Okay. Um, and it has nice fall color. It has, once it gets old enough, really wonderful ornamental bark. Okay. And um, I'm adding it to kind of my hedge o shrubs <laughs> um, as, you know, some more diversity. I'm trying uh-huh. to have this really diverse kind of hedge planting in my yeah. yard. Uh, Parodia doesn't have a lot of disease or insect challenges. Cool. But what we do have to worry about in Iowa is we're right at the northern edge of its range. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in Des Moines, especially in town, uh, I don't have a lot of issues with a stuff. A little bit of heat island. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you are out in the middle of nowhere or out in the middle of a field mm-hmm. or in the northern half of the state, this one would definitely have to be uh, tried in a more protected yeah. location. Well, you know, I... I when I bought my house, um, it came with a seven suns flower oh, yeah. tree, uh-huh. which I was very excited about. You don't see those very often. No, um, I don't think it made it through the winter. You know, I've uh, been watching it and it's just not doing anything. It might come back from the base. You think? Yes. Ah. So I've had my seven suns flower snapped off in a storm. Okay. It was trained into a tree form. This w- That's what this one is. And uh, it can also be a multi-stem kind yeah, of large I, shrub. Yeah, that's what I'm used basically. to it as yeah. that. Yeah. And it snapped off in a storm late in the season, um, and it sprouted back. Ah, so there's the hope for it. Yeah, hopefully. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've just been watching and watching and watching. And it was late to leaf out last year, so I kept yeah. thinking. And I told my husband, he said, no, it's a goner. I said, no, 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 we'll just wait a little longer. And I went out and checked, and the, the branches were snapping off. They weren't pliable, so... Yeah, um, so we may maybe if it does sprout, we can move it to our hedgerow that we're doing too. Yeah, because I like to do like you with with a variety of hedges and a and a all in a hedgerow, not one single thing because that's boring. Well, yeah. mix it up and change it up. You can't collect stuff if you have. Well, that's true. The same thing. <laughs> Plus, for me, I like it because then if something fails, I don't have. The whole hedge right. fail. I just have one spot, which is the key to diversity. I know that's why you keep hearing that word, diversity. Yeah. It's yeah. all it's all planning for failure, basically. <laughs> you know, this reminds me. Your seven suns flower reminds me too of. Uh, you know, I've been answering a lot of questions this week, um, and uh, one of the big ones that's come up is you know folks who don't have something leafing out yet and they think it's right. died. And I think uh, you know, for most things, I would wait until at least the end of May before mm-hmm. I make. Uh, a decision about them. I had a rose 
um, that I thought I lost over the winter. And uh, just the other day, I went back out there, and there at the very, very base yeah. was some stuff greening up. I mean, yeah. the whole top of it was dead. Yeah. The very base was starting to I have green the same up thing. again. Now, do you know, is that rose own root or is it grafted? It is own root. Rose. So you know what you have yeah. is, is the thing that you want. That's yeah. good. You know, I had a, a shrub, a kind of a bizarre Ceno Cali Camellia thing. Um, Sinocali Calicanthus? Sinocali Calicanthus. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Gesundheit. <laughs> that's that's one what of it my was. favorite name. It's, it's a good one. Yeah. It's, and it's a cross between a Calicanthus and a Camellia or something goofy. You don't see them around, so no, don't, not don't write it down. Um, but it, it went years without leafing out. But it was green. I would still scratch it. You know, you scratch the, mm. that's one thing with your thumbnail, you can scratch a twig. And if it's green underneath the bark, it's still alive. Right. And it went forever. And I held on to that tree for two years before I finally said, well, you're not dead, but you're not doing anything. So what's the point? And I cut it down. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that happens. Sometimes you gotta, you gotta perform. Yeah, that's or true. Or you're gonna get, you're gonna get There's sidelined. Only so much space. <laughs> well, I wanna remind folks out there, 1 800. 469-4295 is the number to call us at. In the local Des Moines area, you can call us at 284-1040. You can always send us a text to 515-989-1040. We're going to take our first break of the program. We'll be back to talk with you and answer your gardening questions and, and in general just talk about more gardening here on Gardening yep. Today. Yep. News Radio 1040 WHO. Welcome back to Gardening Today. Aaron Style here in the studio with Melissa Burdick, and we are here to answer your gardening questions. I want to remind folks, 1-800-469-4295 is the number to call us at, and that's just what Dennis did, so we're going to go straight to his question first. Good morning, Dennis. You're on WHO. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm wondering about a, a new product, and I don't know, maybe... A listener can call in and tell me about it, but you know, if you if you get on the internet and you look at something, then they try to offer it to you. But it's a thing called a bush cherry, and it's a bush that I guess grows cherries. And I'm just wondering if that is a viable product if it grows here in Iowa. If anybody's had any experience with it, yeah. yeah. So. It, this is kind of a tough one because I think bush cherry is a really generic term. Yeah, it could be a lot of things. It could be a lot of different plants, some of which might do well in Iowa and some of which may not. Yeah. You know, when, oh. when we saw your call come in, I, I, I did a quick Google search myself um, for bush cherries, yeah. and I did find it listed on several different websites. And I was, I, I'm kind of excited. I've never grown it. I've never heard of it. But it yeah. is a bush size tree. Um, it's in the cherry family. It's a prunus, and it grows edible cherries. And I'm looking, and the, the hardiness zone fits us. It's quite hardy. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that we find with cherries, though, ornamental ones and the full size cherry trees is that they're um, pretty disease prone and Mm -hmm. that can be a big issue for cherries hardiness you know besides hardiness so i would be interested to hear if there are gardeners out there who have tried the bush cherries and how do they do and i would also like to know what the fruit is like because typically The more hardy the yeah. cherry is, I feel like the tartar the fruit is. Yes. Yeah. Um, so like pie pie cherries do really well here in Iowa. Sweet cherries don't, yeah. as a general I've, rule. I've got two pie cherry trees that I'm growing, but 
I just thought, you know, gee, if it were if they were inexpensive for a hedge, that oh yeah, wonderful. oh yeah, and, the, and they're beautiful because they do flower like a cherry. Yeah, and, and the then birds maybe would love even it. if they aren't that, <laughs> even if they aren't that good at cherries, maybe the birds will eat those. Oh, absolutely, the the they will. But yeah. um, so neither one of you have had any experience growing these. I haven't grown this one. No, no. And now that I know ex- they exist, I may have to I go think and get Melissa's one. Melissa's going to. I'm pretty jazzed about it. <laughs> so okay. I would well, be, maybe, definitely be interested to hear. Maybe someone listening will call in that's had them and can get it. Because yeah. I usually don't, I usually don't plan or buy anything until I hear from somebody that's actually had experience with it. Sure. Because you know. Oh yeah, that's remarkable you know, self-control. When you, when you read, when you read it, when you, when you read an advertisement, it says that it's oh, this is just the greatest it's thing, the well, best you thing know, ever. Doesn't really. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm real leery. So okay, well, I'll hang up and listen, and maybe somebody will call in. Okay, right. very good. That sounds good. Okay. Thanks, Dennis. And sure enough, Connie did call in. So let's see what Connie has on her. Right. Good morning, Connie. You're on WHO. Morning. I have some of those bush cherries. Yeah, what um, do you think? Well, this year is the first year they um, actually have cherries on. Um, they're up at the top. They're a smaller thing. Uh, and the it said that they're supposed to be a sweet cherry, so I will find out. But um, <laughs> they also have spread like um out and i don't know how they spread because there were never any cherries on them so Suckers. i i can't understand why they're spreading but they are so oh, um yeah. but they're a real easy keeper i mean sure and they look nice but uh, like i said i don't know what the fruit tastes like so All right. and, um we live uh down by mount air um southern iowa so um and they're real hardy yeah. All right. There are definitely species of cherry, shrub cherries that spread by suckering. So the roots okay. underground are spreading out and then they're popping up above ground. So that is one okay. thing. It's good to know that bush cherries are going to spread like yeah. the shrub cherries do. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Well, well I thought you, I'd Connie. just let you guys know, okay? Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for calling. You're welcome. All right. Bye. All right. And uh, so hopefully that helps Dennis out a little bit. Yep. Know a little bit. Uh, a little bit more about them. And if anybody else has has any experience with these plants, we'd love to hear from you, too. We had uh, Bob join us on the line. Let's go to Bob's call here. Good morning. You're on WHO. Good morning. I'm calling in regards to the perennial wisteria tree. Okay. It did not leaf out at all this year. But it is setting up shoots in the bottom of the tree. Mm-hmm. So I was told to cut it back to a third to a half and see if that will force the top maybe to leaf out. So what type of wisteria is this? Is this one of the Japanese or Chinese? The Chinese wisteria. Okay, yeah, that one's not reliably hardy in Iowa. But it is setting up shoots from the ground. Okay. They grew about six foot within a couple weeks. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right. Claim to fame. (laughs) So uh, should I leave these on and just... What happens to the top of the tree? You can. I, you know, you can. Usually, my cutoff date is Memorial Day for stuff like this. You can also use what's there as more support for what's growing up. Fine. So, okay. yep. So yep. it has something to climb onto, especially if you're trying to train it into a standard form. Yep. So that disguises the tree using the vines from the bottom. Yep. 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 And, uh, you know, Melissa had talked earlier about the bark test where you scratch with your thumbnail. Uh-huh. If any of that stuff above ground, if you scratch it, it's brown underneath, or if you touch it and it's brittle, um, it's probably it's dead. dead but it can it still. Green. It wasn't a bright green, but it was still green. Okay. So, so it could be hanging on. It could be hanging on. I would, I would let it be. I don't know. You can always prune back the dead stuff, but I would probably wait until. Um, 
after Memorial Day before I made that final call. I guess that's only a week or two away. Yeah. A week away. One week. But um, I would wait a little bit longer, especially if it warms up a little, hopefully. Yeah. This this cool spell and overcast rainy spell, it, it kind of slows things down just a little bit. So um, there, there could be some action that you see, but then again, there may not be. So give it a little more time and then... Make the call. Well, I do have an amethyst falls, which I didn't get planted out last year. It's actually getting budding out. Yeah, very nice. Yeah, that one's much more reliable. Hardy survived the winter and uh, will bloom. Yeah, that's one more question too about yeah. Edelweiss. Okay, should they plant in the soil similar to similar to cactus for good drainage? Yeah, they do like really good drainage. That's not a bulb a lot of people try around here. Uh, it's hard to grow, from what I've heard in Iowa. Yeah, I've never, I've never tried it at all. Yeah. A- Edelweiss. Edelweiss, like yeah. the song. Like the song. Okay. Yep. Right. So it's it wants very sharp drainage. I do know that, and sometimes that's hard to do in Iowa. So the more gravelly the soil, the better. Mm-hmm. And in regard to the bush cherries, my mother had some up at Lakeview about forty years ago, and they last about five years. <laughs> okay. So like so every other cherry. Way up north, <laughs> and my uh, mountain laurel is blooming this year. Oh, very good. Oh, that's nice. Well. That's not, not easy to do. Well, that seems to like it, and Wisteria doesn't. So. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh, well, thanks for the update, Bob. Hopefully that helps you out with the Wisteria, too. Okay, so just leave it the way it is? I, I would for now. Yep. And if anything, you can use that, that framework for the new stuff to, to grow on. But don't give it any fertilizer, correct? I wouldn't give it any fertilizer it right now. It doesn't need it. No. No, it'll be fine. <laughs> Thank you both for your help. Yep, thanks, Bob. All right. Let's see if we can answer Raymond's question real quick before we have to take our next break. Good morning, Raymond. You're on WHO. Good morning. Yeah. Good morning. Yep. I, I've uh, got some Juneberry trees. Okay. And uh-huh. um, what I'm interested in is getting a good crop of berries off of those trees and wondering uh, what type of fertilizer or whatever might be used to uh, stimulate that. You know, I would say uh, Juneberry, the Amelanchiers, they're a native... Uh, trees or small tree large shrub they are pretty hardy they're pretty prolific and i you know i don't think you need a fertilizer to get that one growing really sunshine and heavy bloom is what you're going to aim for right um so if anything a bloom boosting low nitrogen because that's foliage growth um, might help of it but really keeping plenty of sunshine on the tree and keeping the squirrels off of it squirrels Mm. and and birds Birds. go nuts for these berries and that's usually what limits the crop is that you don't get to them fast enough but you can buy bird netting that you put over things that can keep the critters off of it but really fertilizer is not the thing yeah i fight the birds all the time um with the with the different trees i know of but uh yeah i was just kind of wondering how to get the best crop i am I uh, planted two where there's uh, oaks and other trees around, and I'm kind of mm. wondering whether those affect right. Juneberry from being uh, as prolific as they can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would say make sure it's getting plenty of sun. That's your best bet. And get okay. to it before the birds do. <laughs> <laughs> Good Thanks enough. for the call. All right, bye. All right, and with that, we're going to take our next break. Uh, for the national news, I want to remind folks, one 800 469 4295 is the number to call. You can send us a text too at 515-989-1040. We'll be back. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Just a couple minutes to talk more gardening and answer your questions on gardening today. News Radio 1040, WHO. Welcome back to Gardening Today. Aaron Style, Melissa Burdick here talking about all things gardening. And uh, we have John on the line. He called us at 1 800 469 4295. Before the break, we were talking about bush cherries. John, you have some comments? Yeah, I'm not really a gardener who's planted these, but I have a story to tell about them. All right. So that kind of ages me. He had a neighbor that had them, and uh, he had a attached garage with a patio on top, and he planted them all along the garage wall, and they were absolutely delicious. Oh, Straight off the bush, or did you have to make jam or pie out of them, add sugar? straight off the bush. They were about halfway between the size of a pea and a marble, and they had a relatively small pit in them. And this guy never had to worry about birds stealing his cherries because the neighbor kids would rob them all. (laughs) Oh, the neighbors got him first. How funny. He's one of those shrubs where you have to make people whistle while they pick, otherwise so that you know they're not eating. (laughs) We were trying to protect him from the birds. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but, but those were there for a good 10 years, and they sold the house, and the new owner didn't like them, so they were removed by man rather than natural causes. Sure. Oh, that's too bad. Well, and that's good to know. Find, if I could find them again, I'd definitely plant them. All right. I got sweet cherries and pie cherries in my yard, but I would definitely plant them because they were just absolutely delicious. Well, that's great to know. Thanks for the call, John. Mm-hmm. All right, and you know, the it, I'm I'm a little surprised that they're they're sweet enough to eat, but that's really great. They're there. Yeah, it's good to know. I wish we knew what cultivar it was. I know, I do too. That's uh, yeah. I anyway. did find them listed on a, a source called Edible Landscaping. I don't know if you've ever seen that catalog. They're mm-hmm. online too, and they have a small selection, four or five different kinds, and some are listed as sweet, and some are listed as pie. But I. Can, can't vouch for one or the other to see how they do. We need a taste test. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, the that's the, the rule when you're picking blueberries, too, you know, is that you have to whistle. whistle while you pick blueberries. Otherwise, you eat them all. You know, we had blueberries growing up in, my, in our backyard, mm-hmm. and we lived in just a, a neighborhood, a, a suburb, and we happened to be under high-tension power lines, which is maybe slightly what's wrong with me, personally. It's my developed with... Anyway, but we had the blueberries under there, and the birds would never bother them because they didn't like the electricity around those power lines. And so oh, we had we had plenty of blueberries to spare. We had twelve bushes, and we would get gallons and gallons and gallons. That of sounds blueberries like a wonderful of problem. It well, <laughs> you know, week three <laughs> of picking blueberries, you get a little sick of it, <laughs> but you freeze them, and uh, they're good in muffins and pancakes mm-hmm. and cobblers and everything you can imagine so. one of my favorites actually i wish i wish we could do them better here in iowa yeah and these were the southern high bush blueberries the rabbit eye blueberries so they were as big as a marble yeah and sugary sweet 
Oh, oh that I'm, sounds lovely. I'm hankering yeah. <laughs> for some blueberries now. Well, we've had several folks who text us in uh, some questions here, so I want to address some of them. Uh, the first one here is from a listener, I think Bruce, um, and he writes, We planted a Lapin cherry about three years ago. It's now approximately 12 feet tall with a four to five inch diameter uh, trunk. The tree was doing beautifully this spring, green with many blossoms. Late uh, last week, the leaves on the north half of the tree died, turned brown, and dried up. Mm-hmm. The gardens and yard are organic, so I thought some spray drifted over from the neighbors. However, the tree is in the middle of our small orchard. All the surrounding trees uh, are fine and do not show any signs of distress. The south half of the tree is the is uh, what still looks good. Any ideas of what the problem may be? Yeah, we chatted about that and mm-hmm. thought probably it's not drift. If it was drift of another chemical from a neighboring yard, it would have affected the other trees right. as well since this is in the middle of them. Um, we talked about possibly its cold damage being on the north side. Um, it seems more likely that it's going to be specific to that branch of the tree or, or multiple branches of the tree, and it could be a sign of canker yeah. or a boring insect or something along those lines. I would investigate the tree a little bit closer to see if there's any dark um wet or sunken areas Mm -hmm. on the branches that seem to be dying back. Uh, Cherries have a number of canker diseases. This is basically a fungus that impacts branches and and stems. And uh, there's not much you can do about canker, unfortunately. Uh, Your best bet is to, if you do find dark, wet, sunken, Loose bark. Kind of rotten looking. Lo- rotten, rotten looking, looking. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or all of the above. Mm-hmm. It could be all of those things or just a few of those things. Um, that's likely the canker. You'll want to remove the branch at least, if possible, 12 inches below that wound or that area that's infected. And uh, hope for the best that it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, make sure you sterilize your tools when you're finished. Yes. And uh, hope that it doesn't spread through the tree. This is really common on cherry trees. It really is. And and it's very likely that if there is some kind of rot or canker, it may actually be in the crotch of the tree where that branch um, connects. Oh, sure. And so you wouldn't be able to go beyond it. But you've still got another half of the tree. Mm-hmm. It's looking healthy. Prune away the dead. Get it out of there. Um, don't put it in your compost pile. Um, and then And then hope that the, the other half is going to pull through and so be asked, all right. He asked, I didn't read this, uh, is the tree doomed? <laughs> is it doomed? It's half doomed already. Well, yeah. So half of it's gone, but hopefully the other half can stick around. But this buys you a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might scout out what your next tree would be, assuming this one may not make it through the canker. If it is a canker, it may progress into the healthy part of the tree that's still alive and, yeah, and take and it out. That so. too. You know, I, we've been talking a lot about cherries today, yeah. and cherries in Iowa can be a little challenging. They can. And I think uh, some folks are really disappointed when they try to grow cherries because of the disease issues, some of the winter hardiness issues, depending on the species or the variety. And one of the things I always try to tell folks is you can grow cherries as long as your expectations are appropriate. So right. a cherry tree in your yard is not going to be a long-lived plant uh, in Iowa. Yeah. Um, in Washington, D.C.? Yes. No problem. Yeah. In <laughs> Iowa, not so much. And so as long as you, I think, go into the venture of growing cherry with the right expectations, mm-hmm. you're not going to be as disappointed yeah. knowing that you may get five years, you may get even 10 years if you're really lucky. But 
after that, something happens to this tree often and it's done. And it just that's, declines. That's fine as long as you knew that's what was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where a lot of research goes a long way because there are certainly the, the fruit producers are hybridizing and cultivating cold hardy species or cold hardier and you just have to do the research on what is going to be the right one for you and often when you go to Lowe's or Home Depot or one of those box stores they just have you know one cherry tree for the entire brand the, the entire market that right. they're selling to and it may not be the best one it might be great for Missouri or Kansas but not good for Iowa sure. or up into um Minnesota. So you have to do a little research. And if it's something you really want, identify the cultivar that you're going to want to look for and then actively seek it out. Yeah. And you may have to get it smaller because it's fewer and farther between, but it can really extend. It can raise your expectations a little <laughs> bit. But yeah, just exceed your low expectations. Yeah, exceed your low expectations. But just like Aaron <laughs> said, don't don't expect a lot and you won't be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of a, I don't know if that's a really great thing to say or not, but there it is. Yeah. Uh, all right. So some other questions here before we take a break. I got one that's fairly straightforward. Janet writes in, I have a knockout rose that looks dead at the top of the plant, but started to regrowth at, uh, started regrowth at the bottom. Should I trim off the dead branches on top? Yes. Yes. Yep. You can always prune off dead stuff. Yep. Always. Mm -hmm. Now, knockout roses are usually pretty good about coming um, coming fairly true to type from the base. Mm -hmm. uh, other roses, if they die back to the ground, if they are grafted onto rootstock of something different, then what comes from the ground will not be what you originally bought at the garden center. Right. So, but knockouts are on their own roots. So yeah. you'll and get the be, same thing. They'll be pretty good. They'll yeah. be good to go. So, yeah, whack it back and let it go. <laughs> All right. Great advice. 1-800-469-4295 <laughs> is the number to get a hold of us at. We'd love to hear from you, answer your gardening questions. We'll be back in just a couple minutes here on Gardening Today. News Radio 1040 WHO. Welcome back to Gardening Today. Aaron Style here with Melissa Burdick, and we are answering gardening questions. And uh, Dennis has called us at 1-800-469-4295. We'll see if we can't answer his question. Good morning, Dennis. You're back. I'm back. Yeah, what can we help one, you with? I have one sh short story to, to um, share about the big box stores. You made a comment about, you know, the big box stores just selling a generic product, you know. Yeah. How they just they just sell that generic product. Well, um, I spend some time in Hawaii now and then, and um, I was talking to a friend out there that he went to Home Depot and bought a hummingbird feeder and hung it up in Hawaii. Uh oh, <laughs> a hummingbird <laughs> feeder in Hawaii. Like you really yeah, need that? There's, there's no hummingbird. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that. He didn't either. How funny! Oh, but they were so selling it at the Home Depot. Yeah, they sell everything, that, you know, and just like all around the country, they sell everything. Anyway, what I was going to ask, is, and I forgot to ask it when I was there before, about um, cherry trees and fruit trees in general. R right now, this last couple of years, I'm starting to get an influx of Japanese beetles, mm -hmm. and I really don't want to use any type of um, uh, spray, chemical spray or anything like that. So sure. I don't know if you can, you, you can explain a little bit of help to kind of um, cut down there. They want to eat all the leaves off the tree yep. and all mm -hmm. that good stuff. And um, maybe maybe you and maybe some of the callers can come in and, and see what see what um, success they've had with um, 
um, kind of maybe trying to get them to find something else to eat. Uh, but <laughs> that's pretty hard to do. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'll hang up. And okay. I'll listen to what you have to explain, and maybe somebody will call in with the the, the best the best trick to outsmart the Japanese people. Yeah, this is a tough one. That is because, a tough one. Um, they are a formidable foe. They are, and they like a lot of different things. Yeah. Uh, the thing I will say is I do not recommend getting a trap. Well, uh, if you get a trap, put it in your neighbor's yard. Yeah, exactly. That's the joke. Because <laughs> they work so well. They work so well. They're a pheromone well. trap. They, they're, they're a track to the pheromone. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they bring a lot of Japanese beetles in. Yes. So uh, typically, if you are trapping them with the pheromone traps, you're actually going to have more Japanese beetles than if you wouldn't have put anything up yeah. at all. And so the joke is you want your neighbor like two miles away right. to if put there, one up. If there's somebody in your neighborhood you don't like, <laughs> hide one of these Japanese in the back of their yard. For them, yeah. Now, another thing I've heard good things about is milky spore. Have yes. you ever heard about that? Yes, so this we is, use that at Ryman Gardens you do. for our roses. And how does mm-hmm. it work? It's it's not bad. And it's so this is you actually apply it to the ground. Mm-hmm. It's a, f- a fungus that attacks the grubs in the ground. Yeah, is that right? I think so. I don't remember exactly how it works, so I'd have to look it up again. So it helps Japanese beetles. It kill. It basically attacks the grubs in the ground where they overwinter as larvae, mm-hmm. and kills those off. So it helps with Japanese beetle populations, but it also helps with moles who are insectivorous, and they tunnel oh, to get the grubs. Yeah. So I've heard uh, two good things about it. I've never tried it myself, but I have heard people rave about it. And you only apply it once every few years because it, yeah. yeah, it has a long-lasting residual. Yeah, it has a long-lasting residual kind and of effect. And I'm not sure if it's considered organic or not since it's a living organism that's attacking another. I'm not sure either. I don't know. The, uh, the most organic, sol- like no spray solution, is a lot of work. Yes. But um, one of the the... I guess nice things about Japanese beetles is that uh, they tend to cluster on the branches or where they're feeding. They tend to cluster around each other. And they have a natural kind of response when you um, disturb them to drop straight down. Mm-hmm. So what you can do is usually early in the morning, they're a little more sluggish in the morning, you can go out, find where they're feeding, you tap that branch and right under it you have a bucket of uh, soapy water Mm -hmm. and they fall right into the bucket of water Um, this can uh, reduce populations a little bit Um, it makes you feel good (laughs) as you're killing some insects a little bit of vengeance yes Um, I you know I suppose if you did a lot of it it could help some but the real challenge with Japanese beetles is their sheer numbers yes Um, and the fact that they are very mobile so even though you can go out every morning and do this whole thing. You can go out every week and spray seven. You can do all of these things. They come in from all over the place. They can fly fairly good distances mm-hmm. to uh, find a food source, and that's what makes them so challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, I was joking with Melissa over the break that we should hope for a nice hard freeze a again. Br- a brutal winter. A brutal winter will help a lot because uh, they overwinter in the soil as grubs. They kind of tunnel down uh, to overwinter. And if we have a really harsh winter with a really, when the soil freezes very deep, uh, we can really knock back their populations. And that happened less than a handful of years ago. Yeah. And the following spring was very light in Japanese beetles. It was wonderful. Yeah. And we lost a lot of plants. We did lose some plants. <laughs> but the too. Japanese beetles were easier and the mosquitoes and other 
bugs were a little yeah. bit easier that year. So they are difficult to deal with. Uh, thankfully, they're only active for about three-ish yeah. weeks. Yeah, that's what I tell a lot of people is that they come, they eat, they leave. And thankfully, yeah. the damage that they do is not typically lethal. lethal. Yeah. They'll, mm-hmm. Roses will grow out of it. Um, now, lindens, they, they have been going after lindens, and they suffer a little bit, but they don't kill. Uh, they don't eat to the point of killing the tree. Right. But they are a nuisance, and there's no <laughs> natural predators. They're non-native invasive species and they are spreading yeah yeah and you know it's funny you mentioned you know because you've done a lot of gardening uh in the south and the Mm -hmm. east especially in virginia yeah and japanese beetles have been in virginia for decades yes and their populations there have moderated some a little bit yeah and i my my first uh spring summer in omaha where i was gardening Mm -hmm. uh, when my gardeners came to me and said I saw a Japanese beetle. I saw one. And I said, yes, so? Because it's like totally common to me. No, whatever. There's nothing you can do about it. They come, they eat, they leave, and you recuperate. Uh, but it's not the situation here. It's an, a new and unknown thing, and it's a little terrifying for people who haven't <laughs> had to deal with it. And Well, and I think, just, too, there's yeah. this kind of population surge because there isn't uh, as much controlling them i mean as they haven't figured out a balance right there's not a balance yet so there's this big surge which is really difficult yes yeah and it's it's unpleasant so we got lots of great lots of great advice here (laughs) (laughs) it's kind of depressing it is a little bit we should come up with something more interesting here i will say um uh that uh we had uh, wendy text in about my comment earlier about feral cats. I do have feral cats in my neighborhood, and they have done a great job with uh, controlling um, rabbits and other rodent issues in my garden. And she says that they used to have a tomcat that uh, would be around their yard, and they had very few problems. And then when that tomcat left, the problems with bunnies and squirrels in particular uh, showed their ugly head. They they reared their head. Although... You know, as helpful as tomcats can be and, and other cats in the neighborhood can be, I feel like we should, we're socially responsible. We should say something about have your pets spayed and neutered. Oh, yeah. And, know. you know, it's cats a- eat songbirds too. So, um, I know. I don't mean to <laughs> encourage it. I just know that it's silver, situation. Silver lining. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I want to remind folks that uh, you can go to our website at whoradio.com. We have some wonderful photos up there of some things you can see in my yard right now and uh, uh, hopefully your yard too. Yeah. And uh, we are here, 1-800-469-4295. We're going to break for the local and national news and weather. We'll be back to take your calls, answer your texts, and talk more about gardening here on Gardening Today. News Radio 1040 WHO. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.